0: Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.
1: Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. My name is John Siegley, joined today by Don Callahan and Buck Sanders for our UNC football recruiting podcast. Guys, I want to say thanks to both of y'all for coming on today and talking with me.
2: Now the problem, to, uh, John. Glad to be here with my buddy Don, greatest guy in the world. Yeah, I would not
0: uh, be on here if Buck was not here. I just want to let the record show that. Oh, that kind of stings, actually, Don. We've done a lot I of podcasts. i got other to things out, to do. I mean, I'm only going to make
1: time if, if Buck's going to be around. I think I just got big-timed. Like.
2: <laughs> you did. You got
1: big-timed. But um, as we alluded to the last podcast, you know, we are going to be going over our rankings of the defensive back prospects for the 2018 class. Uh, The four guys that we're looking at are all actually UNC commits, and Don, I'll give you the privilege of introducing those four guys to the the listeners.
0: All right, so as you said, they're all UNC commits. First guy is, this is no particular order, Trey Morrison. He's from uh, Greater Atlanta Christian in Georgia. DeAndre Holland, who's a uh, defensive back, obviously, from Jefferson High School in Florida. We have Bryson Richardson from buford in georgia and javon terry from wake forest north carolina and we actually we tied our number of submissions from last week so we have well including bucks we have the we have five so let me first give the the listener submissions um this is from cody in spruce pine north carolina He has number one, Javon Terry, number two, Bryson Richardson, number three, DeAndre Hollins, number four, Trey Morrison. And we have uh, Dale from Waxhaw, who I believe submitted uh, D-line rankings last week. And he has number one, Trey Morrison, number two, Javon Terry, number three, Bryson Richardson, and number four, DeAndre Hollins. And then we have uh, John from South Carolina, who actually has contributed a ranking each week that we've done this he has number one trey morrison number two javon terry number three bryson richardson and number four deandre hollins and last but not least we have undisclosed from raleigh north carolina number one he has javon terry number two trey morrison number three bryson richardson Number four, DeAndre Holland. So definitely um, a little bit of a mixture here with the groups. Um, Holland seems like he got a lot more last place votes, but there was actually one person who had—I thought there was one person who had him pretty high. But then Javon Terry seems to be the defensive back that received the most first place votes. So we—who ha- wants to go first this time around? Let's see. I think you went first last time, but I'm thinking that we make
1: Buck go first this time, especially since he did send his notes in to you and I, I know, again. again. Don.
2: He's trying to frame me. Well, you asked me to. You know, uh, <laughs> we were messaging back and forth. You said, Buck, don't forget to send your notes. So I, I complied. Sure... I, I would comply with your request, Don.
0: I wanted to make sure that I had
1: all the right answers. And since we're going to be accused of cheating the entire time anyways, I figured we'll go ahead and let Buck go first. And you know, that'll give Don time to quickly switch our picks. So go and start us off, Buck. Who was your number four?
2: Well, uh, not any different, I don't suspect, from uh, most of the people that uh, responded or from you or Don, although it could surprise me, but I went with DeAndre Hollins. But for me, it was, I d- didn't really know too much how to, to rank him, because just going off of his film is an exercise in futility. There's just not a lot there. Uh, what we do know, he's got some size, he's got some length. And, and I was able to, to tell that he played some boundary corner, you know, playing up on his man at the line of scrimmage uh, and the force player on the outside. And he also played some field corner, playing off the wide receiver. So, I mean, there's really not a lot to go on with his film. And so I, I just went with DeAndre uh, last in my selection. Then I'll go next. And I actually did have DeAndre as my number four as
1: well, Buck. I saw a lot of what you saw in terms of where he lined up. It looked though that DeAndre did have pretty good movements for his size, I mean, he's listed at 6'1, and he actually, you know, looks to be above six foot when you're watching his film. Like you though, there was not a whole whole lot to really go off of. Um, I thought that DeAndre did though, he he hit pretty hard. He definitely has a competitive streak. I thought it was actually very good to see his film from the Freak Show from this past summer. And, Don, just real quick, was that, um, who, which was the wide receiver that DeAndre went up against?
0: It was, yeah, Jordan Adams. He went up yeah. against Jordan Adams the first few or handful, actually, um, uh, reps. And he purposely did that because he felt like from watching the wide receivers drills that Jordan was by far the, the top receiver there and he wanted to, um, to shut down the top guy. Okay, that's what, what I
1: recalled, is that he he did purposely line up against Jordan. And you know to be fair, I mean, Jordan did get the better of him in a lot of those clips, but Jordan's also an insanely good wide receiver. But I like that DeAndre at least was willing to step up to the challenge. However, I think that he needs to improve his overall coverage abilities. He it is a little bit prone to get juked out. And even though, like I said, I thought he was fluid for his size, I don't know if really if if secondary might be the best position for him. I don't know if he, if he has the frame, but maybe like safety or even maybe an outside linebacker. He's probably too small to play linebacker, though. And he also doesn't have the greatest of top end speed. So I don't know, maybe a position change from cornerback might be the best for DeAndre, but
0: I had him as my number four. I'm going to make it three for three and go with DeAndre Hollins, just like John alluded to. The thing that sticks out in my mind is his competitiveness. I really like the fact that during the freak show, he pointed out the top wide receiver and wanted to uh, shut him down. He did get the first rep, and then after that, the rest of the reps was all Jordan Adams. Um, But, you know, in looking at his film, he's, to me, he's a guy who would be a fine cover two corner but if you want him to play man-to-man for an entire game, you're going to give up a lot of big plays. He's he's physical. He loves to jam at the line. He's long. He's really good at kind of playing back and kind of seeing the the offense kind of unfold and with, with the play. But the further downfield you go with him, the worse he tends to be. When I broke down one of his, his games, his entire game from – um. Earlier in the season, there were a couple of deep passes that he allowed, but he definitely is a, is a big, strong, physical cornerback. Um, I really wonder if maybe safety might be his future, but you know, UNC runs a lot of cover too, so he, he'll fit in there and you know, kind of fit in the same sort of mold as a MJ Stewart or Des Lawrence. Um, do you want me, we're going to do the reverse? Yeah, and, go, go ahead. And you okay. Yeah. Give All us, right. us your, your number three. I'll give you my number three. So that Buck can copy off of it, I'm going with Trey Morrison. He's a tremendous athlete. He plays all over the field for one of the top high school programs in Georgia, Great Atlanta Christian. You know, he plays receiver, plays returner. He's he's an impact player at those positions. At cornerback, you know, his film looks good, and I actually think he's either a cornerback or like a nickelback in North Carolina system. His film, his highlights look good, but when I broke down one of his one of his uh, games, I was kind of disappointed by. Some of the missed tackles he had, and the lack of, I guess, uh, presence in in certain plays. But you know, he'll definitely have some highlight plays where he just uh, levels a ball carrier or gets real physical. There's one highlight play where where um, he gets so physical with a receiver, he actually takes him out to the sideline, completely out of the play. So he's my number number three guy. All right, and then I'm up next, and.
1: I do want to preface this by saying I had a lot of difficulty ranking my top three this time. I went back and forth about half a dozen times, and I ended up actually putting at number three, Javon Terry. That's you know very different from what our listeners had at the number three spot. But when I was watching Javon's film, the positives are that he's got good size for the safety. He's obviously very, very athletic. He also showed a very good propensity to look and actually find the ball. I think he lined up at free safety in the videos that I saw. That's probably where I would see him playing at Carolina as well. Um, He does tackle a bit high. He needs to learn to go lower, especially when he's he's going up against taller, bigger, wide receivers and even tight ends. His hip movement is okay. I thought that he could actually improve on that a little bit, but that's why I think he definitely has a future at safety and not at cornerback, but He has a a lot of the tools that to really develop into a a upper echelon safety for the Tar Heels, and so
2: Buck, you're up next
1: with your number three.
2: Well, I went with Javon Terry as well. I I think many of the criticisms that you pointed out are are pretty much legit, although I'll quibble about one. But I, I think he's probably a natural free safety. One thing about Terry is he has great speed. I mean, it's it's not just track speed. He's got good football speed there was a couple of plays in his highlights and I, I think I only got to see the junior highlights if I'm right but you know he would run he was running down guys you know that weren't his man that he just had to chase down that had a good five ten yard lead on him and he had to run him down and he did so he, he's got great speed he's got great size and length when he intercepts the ball he, he knows what to do with it he can be patient when he's running back up a uh interception or a a kick, so I think he he brings a lot to the table there. both of you say that he tackles too high, but when I was watching his tape uh from his junior his junior season it it didn't strike me that he was necessarily bad with his tackling technique. I went back and looked at it because Don had said at some point i think on his i c t v analysis that he thought. Terry tackle too high but I went back and looked at it and you know maybe there are times when he does tackle too high but I don't think it's a a big deal you know I think it's something that could be easily corrected, and he doesn't do it all the time it's just a once in a while thing so I guess I go to it now do I not Mm -hmm. That, that how we're doing it yep yeah and I went with uh, Trey Morrison, number two, and I-, I think he's probably a nickelback or maybe a field corner. I think he does a pretty good job tackling well in space, and and I will say this about Trey Morrison. Does I- he play for Christian school in Atlanta? Is that right, Don?
0: Yeah, yeah Atlanta. Greater Atlanta Christian.
2: They're not going to have a team next year because he did everything for them. He was a punt returner, kick returner, ran the ball on jet sweeps, great receiver for him, and, and plus, you know, did, um, you know, played in the secondary, obviously. So, you know, I think he's got really, he concentrates really well when the ball is in the air. He locates it well and he focuses well when the, when the ball is in the air. Some of the the game that that Don's talking about when he went to see him, I watched that tape too. Don's analysis and he was correct there, but I watched the rest of his tape and he seemed to be physical quite often with wide receivers and got off blocks pretty well. So I think his highlight tape, and they call it a highlight tape for a reason, but I think his highlight tape was a little bit more generous to him than the game that uh, Don watched. So I had him as my number two.
1: So I'm up next. My number two guy, I had Bryson Richardson as my number two. The positives I liked about Bryson was that he showed really good acceleration. I thought that he was able to close pretty quick on receivers. His hips were, I thought, probably the, the second best hips out of the secondary guys, at least according to you know the film that we watched. I don't think there was a whole whole lot of film on Bryson Richardson, but from what I saw, I, I did really like what he showed. He showed a lot of of good patience as well. He wasn't letting himself get juked out. In other words, so if a wide receiver tried to you know maybe turn him a certain way and then cut back, he would be patient, wait for them to actually go the the direction they wanted to run. I and mean, he was able to close with them pretty quick. I did think though that with Bryson, he he's not he's not the tallest of guys. He also doesn't have great top-end speed. And I did notice that with his tackling, at least from the highlights, he does like to hit hard, but he does hit high. Um, and again, that may just be you know, a byproduct of watching highlight tapes, but I do think that that's something that he will also need, need to work on. And for Bryson, I, I think that he, I maybe see a move to safety for him. I do think, though, that he could probably play maybe like a boundary corner, but regardless, I really
0: liked his film, so I put him at my number two. All right, well, I'm going to uh, mimic John, and I also have Bryson Richardson number two. I I think he's an effort kid. He's a kid who you're going to get 110% every every play um, all game long. I think his only true highlights is from his junior season, and then everything else is just kind of clips here and there from his senior season, and you kind of get two different, I guess, um, sides of him because during his junior season, he played safety during his senior season. He played kind of, it was almost like an extra linebacker. I'm assuming they call it some sort of like a a nickel or like a spur sort of thing, but that just kind of proves just the type of player he is. I mean, he's definitely kind of like an inside the box, strong safety sort of guy. Uh, He would actually, you know, in a, in a Butch Davis sort of defense, he kind of fits that um, nickel corner. Position. I don't know if he fits the nickel position in North Carolina's current defense, but um, he definitely could be a a hard hitting, strong safety in North Carolina's current defense. I mean, he he basically plays like a linebacker. He hustles, as I mentioned earlier. He he plays to the whistle. He's a very good tackler. He closes quickly. As John said, he doesn't get fooled by you know little little jukes and that sort of thing. He just kind of just zeroes in on his target, watches his keys, doesn't get fooled by trickeration, and just and just makes a tackle. I mean, I think he's going to be a kid who's going to be a solid player for North Carolina whenever they call upon him. So I guess I'm moving on to my number one, which is duh, 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 Javon Terry. I just, I absolutely love Javon Terry uh, as, a, as a player, as an athlete. And and I feel like his academic situation, which a year ago wasn't um wasn't very good. Actually probably a year and a half ago wasn't very good, but credit to the coaches at Wake Forest High School and the teachers at Wake Forest High School, and then Javon Terry himself that he, he was able to uh to kind of get back on track to the point where North Carolina was willing to accept his verbal commitment. His uh, combine numbers are just off off the off the chain. <laughs> Um, I mean, he's a he's a legit 6'1", 187 pounds. And North Carolina's camp on the grass of Keenan Stadium. He clocked a four four seven forty yard dash, which is you know you don't get a whole lot of forty yard dashes. I'm mean, sorry, four four forty yard dashes in Keenan Stadium. And then he also broad jumped ten feet seven inches, which is also an unbelievable number. I mean, he just has a lot of physical tools. He also has the frame to kind of add on the weight. He has a lot of experience playing really everywhere within the the back seven for Wake Forest, which has gone undefeated the past two seasons and won the state championship while playing in North Carolina's highest classification. So he's not going up against slouches. And even though the area he plays in might not be as well known for having a lot of talented teams, eventually they have to meet some of the most talented teams in the state, including beating um, Mallow Creek this past December, and then the year before that, beating Page High School. So, I mean, he's gone up against great opponents and has been one of the best players. He won the the defensive MVP of the state championship this uh, this past state championship. I think he's a free safety. This past year, he played mostly uh, corner, but I think his experience at corner will help him at free safety because he's, he'll be a guy who, when you need him to cover a a receiver, he'll be able to do it easily. But he has the range and ball skills to uh to kind of play that uh that safety role, so I'll swing it back to John all right, and my
1: number one <laughs> is, there we go our awesome drum rolls. I'm um, telling I, you,
2: they suck.
1: <laughs> it's all right. I mean, you know, if, if I see one to to float some budget to me, I could probably go online and, like, buy some nice sound effects, Buck, you know? Yeah, just,
2: yeah. Well, just, I, mean, just, I, I, I almost would be willing to pay big money for that uh, based on <laughs> the drum rolls we've heard.
1: <laughs> the quality of, of the current product?
2: Yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> but um, anyways, my number one was Trey Morrison. And Trey's film, just what really stood out to me, was number one, just how aggressive he was. I think Don mentioned it when he was talking about that, where Trey blocked a wide receiver out of bounds. And I think if you're watching his highlight film, it's like the second um, clip in that is a he levels a wide receiver and it's a good form tackle. Like He just plants a guy into the ground, lifts him up. And I think that kind of just, Showed what kind of player Trey is. He does have really good hips. He's got good tackling ability. He's got good speed. I think he, I mean, you you guys have mentioned this already when you talked about Trey, but I think he is a natural nickelback. I think that's a position that he will excel in. And he's basically just an all-around, I thought, really great athlete. Buck, you talked about how he played offense. He played special teams. He did it all for his high school team and I think at Carolina, if he's able to really just hone in and focus on playing that nickelback position, I think the sky's the limit for him at that spot because he really impressed me with his, with his ability to stick with a guy, lay hits, um, really move around in traffic, track guys. The only thing is he is a little bit on the short side, but I think that's why you put him at nickelback to cover those inside wide receivers. I would maybe be a little bit worried if he tried to get matched up in the slot, you know, against a uh, against a tight end or a bigger guy. But even then I think he would be more than willing to step up to the challenge. And he's got really good athleticism too, but he's got hops. So Trey was was my number one and I'll kick it over to Buck and we'll get your top spot.
2: Well, um, <laughs> Well, we we all chose a different number one, which I guess uh, speaks to the closeness in in these this group of uh, defensive backs. I don't know, Don, how much you know about Richardson's coaching staff or who coaches him, but to me, he's he's the best coached player out of the four. I mean, he's he's doing things already, like a, a really good backpedal that. You know, you see college coaches working on their charges with all the time, teaching them how to to do uh, a good backpedal. He moves his feet well, changes directions well, takes very good angles to uh, the ball carrier. I agree he's probably a a strong safety, and and he'll also fight for 50-50 balls. I think also he's subject to the criticism that sometimes he tackles a little too high and relies on his uh, size and strength. I mean, a six-one, one 190 190-pound safety in the high school level, they don't grow on trees. I mean, rarely do you see a, a guy that's already a man, basically, playing safety in high school. And just to give you, you know, Don talked about him being an effort guy. On one clip I saw, he was playing single high safety in that clip. In other words, there were 10 defenders in front of him, and he was playing back. in in the high as a single high safety the other team ran the ball he diagnosed a run and he's the guy that made the tackle and and that speaks to you know effort determination ability to diagnose what's going on on the field and all of those things I think it's probably very close between at least the top three guys, Richardson, Morrison, and Terry. But the, the, he's he's coming to North Carolina already having the benefit, in my opinion, just looking at what I saw, of some really good coaching before he got there. So he would be my number one pick. And he I think he may play next year. He may have to. I don't think they have a lot of reserves at uh, safety in some instances. So he's, he's a guy that can see the field next year, I think.
0: Yeah, just to kind of answer your question about the coaching. So his current coach, or his coach during his senior season, actually came from Roswell High School, and he's produced a lot of great players there, including Tyrone Hopper, who's on North Carolina's roster. Uh, He led Roswell to the state championship. I think it was not this season, but the past two seasons. He obviously coached Buford, but before Coach Ford came to Buford, the coach who was uh, the head coach there for for a pretty long time was Jess Simpson, not Jessica Simpson, Jess Simpson. And just to kind of tell you what type of level this coach is, and keep in mind, he's been in high school, I believe his entire career up until recently. He was actually um, accepted a job at Georgia State a year ago. And then shortly after that, the Atlanta Falcons actually hired him as a defensive assistant. So Buck is correct. Bryson Richardson received has has received a lot of really good coaching during his high school career. Well, and I just wanted to echo my agreement with
1: Buck that these top three guys are all very good. I mean, I do think it speaks to their quality that all three of us had a different guy at the, at the top spot. And so, you know, Carolina fans may still be a little bit, you know, upset about the season that that happened. I do think that the secondary has some really good players coming in and, you know, hopefully these guys Ideally, you'd like for everyone to redshirt, get bigger, stronger, faster, but the talent level is absolutely there. So I think there's some positives to look forward to.
2: Well, uh, I'm going to have to sign off uh, as I usually do after this segment, but I-, I think the safeties, Richardson and Terry, have a better chance of playing early than the corners in this group, which I would consider Morrison and Hollins, because. North Carolina is still very young and relatively deep at the corner spot. You know, they have Renee and Bell and Sales are all juniors. They got two years left to play. And then behind them, you've got CJ Cotman and uh, Trey Shaw that are, would you be just true sophomores next year? They got three years to play. So there's a, a good bit of depth at the corner spot on the roster. At safety, not so much. Artis is a senior. There's just not a lot of depth, I think, at the safety spots. And I I didn't mention Miles Warfork either, you know, who's a nickel back for North Carolina. So yeah, I think it'll be a while for these corners to see the field. Except maybe in a special teams row A role, but I think Richardson and Terry have a chance to play early. All right. Well, as Buck mentioned, he is gonna have to leave us now. Um,
1: hopefully, Don, you know, won't won't be too upset over that, and we'll be able to push on to record the second half of this podcast. Buck, I'll Buck, Really appreciate you coming on. We'll go ahead and take our commercial break, and when we get back, uh, Don and I will recap the junior day that UNC had this past Saturday.
2: Thanks, guys, for not cribbing off my notes too much this week.
1: We had to make it at least not not look that obvious. All right, uh, thanks, guys. appreciate it, Buck. We'll be back after this. Hey, and we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Sigley here with Don Callahan. And Don, as I mentioned before we went to break, Carolina had its junior day this past Saturday, which was really the first opportunity for the coaching staff to get in a lot of the top-end uh, juniors. So they, those would be the class of 2019. So just to start this off, you know, what were your general thoughts of, of the uh, junior day that Carolina hosted? Well,
0: this... um. This was this is going to be their big junior day, or this was their big junior day. They they usually have one really big junior day, and they have a bunch of I guess uh, I don't want to call them smaller because they usually actually have a larger number of recruits, but they don't have as you know the big time recruits that their big junior day has. And in in the past, ever since Coach Fedora became head coach at North Carolina, the big junior day coincided with the UNC Duke basketball game. But as we mentioned in prior podcast. This year the UNC Duke basketball game actually falls during the dead period so North Carolina won't be able to take advantage of uh, of that but the I guess the, the the positive of not not hosting a junior day during the UNC Duke basketball game is that the football staff actually gets more tickets to give to recruits compared to a UNC Duke basketball game which as you can expect is a higher in demand game. So they basically tried to get All of their top in-state targets there, plus, uh, I'd say, I don't know, maybe, um, I guess, about 10 or so out-of-state targets that they're very high on. But, I mean, North Carolina, really, if you look at the the list that we posted of confirmed visitors, the majority of North Carolina's top in-state targets were all there. Gavaris Crouch, Choffrey Brown, C.J. Clark, Tyus Fields, who doesn't make a whole lot of visits he was there Sam Howe quarterback who's just absolutely blowing up every day it seems like he has a new offer and he's probably one of well he definitely is one one of north carolina's top quarterback targets if not the top quarterback target you know they had Travion Kenyon was there Jaden McKenzie is another guy that the staff is really high on you know uh, Christian uh, Rory UNC is really high on so there's a bunch of top targets but really I feel like what quickly overshadowed just the large amount of top 2019 targets on campus was the 2018 recruits who visited. And I don't want to say it was unexpected. We actually reported that UNC was trying to get Dax Holyfield on campus for this past Saturday, but they didn't think it was, uh, it was going to happen mostly because Dax is really kind of getting burned out by the recruiting process. But, uh, In addition to Dax, um, Antoine Green made it, and that was something else we reported. And then Anthony Grant, a Tennessee uh, pledge who actually was supposed to officially visit Florida State this past weekend, he actually visited for the basketball game. So to have those three guys, I mean, North Carolina only has about, I think it's nine um, true targets for the 2018 class left, and you have a third of them visiting unofficially on their own dime on a Saturday. That's pretty big. When you heard the news when we reported out that North Carolina was was welcoming these guys on campus and they were on campus what went through your head John Oh I mean kind of pure
1: joy <laughs> at least for the Dax Holyfield news because as you mentioned you know what we had heard prior to this was that Dax was you know he was very still up in the air about where he wanted to commit to he was kind of tired of the recruiting process and you know if you re- read between the lines I think he was honestly frustrated not not with any coaching staff but just with himself kind of that you know he still has not been able to narrow this down and so uh when you hear about him coming to carolina for a basketball game to me that spoke of very high volumes because this was an unofficial visit so he did not have you know he did not have anything paid for him he had to provide his own transportation which i mean he lives in north carolina it's not like that's you know super far but at the same time he could have gone somewhere else for, for this weekend and the fact that he was there with his uh, family including his little brother who's a class of 20 is it 2020 Don or 2021 he's actually 2021 okay and you know he was there with with them his brother actually got his first scholarship offer from a major D1 program where Carolina did extend that offer as well so Dax, getting him on campus was the biggest surprise to me, and, and as far as the rest goes, I think the one that stood out to me was, uh, was Grant. The fact that he bypassed an official visit to come back to Carolina again unofficially on his own dime. I thought that really speaks volumes about his recruitment and where UNC is in the hierarchy of his favorites. And then the the last name that uh, I thought stood out was Antoine Green. I think his comments after his official visit have been overwhelmingly positive for UNC. And to me, you know, if you are a Carolina fan looking at, at, at Green, it's hard to not, almost at this point, expect him to commit to the Tar Heels. So that was my thoughts. What, I mean, I'm assuming you probably felt... Close to the same way, Don, on top of trying to be in 10 different places at once and cover 15 different stories.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I thought it was definitely positive for North Carolina to get those guys back on campus. You know, the Dax situation was, was kind of a perfect storm that was kind of orchestrated by UNC coaches to a degree in certain aspects. You know, the fact that really the reason why he visited was because his brother was actually offered on, I think it was the, the Thursday prior. And when UNC offered his brother Jack, who, by the way, for anybody who thinks that Jack is just, this is just some sort of um, ploy to, uh, to land Dax, Jack is going to be a really good player. I mean, NC State actually offered him shortly after uh, UNC did, and NC State's n- nowhere near the Dax Holyfield sweepstakes. So, I mean, he's, he's a good player. He started at defensive end, I believe it was defense. I know he's on the defensive line this past year for Shelby High. He also is uh, the center on the basketball team as a freshman. So he's a good player. But anyway, so when they when UNC offered Jack, uh, they also extended him an invitation to attend the Junior Day. Unfortunately for Jack, he didn't have a ride. He does not have his license yet. But his <laughs> big brother, Dax, does. And he does have a car. And he does like traveling for the most part. And so Dax actually was Jack's transportation. And then as fate would have it, I think it was Friday, Dax's girlfriend, who has been mentioned a bunch on Inside Carolina's message board, probably more than any other girlfriend I can remember, she was accepted into North Carolina, of course, as just a student on Friday. And so, of course, she's excited. It's a school that she's always wanted to attend. And so she wanted to kind of go up and Dax provided her a tour. He actually gave him a tour and and the North Carolina coaches obviously interacted with Dax and his crowd, but they purposely kind of let Dax kind of do his own thing. And they felt like that was the best for this situation because he's been to North Carolina thousands of times and has done all the interviews. Not interviews, has done all the has done all the meetings, has done all the the tours, has done everything you can imagine. Watch all the videos, listen to all the presentations. He's done all that. So I you know, the last thing that they could probably do is kind of let Dax enjoy campus himself, and that's what he did. So you now the other two guys, uh, Grant. I think really, while it's important that that he bypassed a paid for official visit to Florida State, I think that's more of of a fact that Grant is also not maybe not to the extent of Dax, but Grant is also at the point where he's he's just he's over the whole recruiting process. He's probably going to come down to North Carolina or Tennessee. I guess Virginia Tech's kind of still in there, but I don't hear about them nearly as much as as North Carolina and Tennessee. And he doesn't really have a whole lot of interest in Florida State, but Florida State keeps on pushing because they're in a position where you know they have a new coach, and they really um, were affected by how the whole early signing day went. So they're pushing for him to, to officially visit, but he, he just doesn't really want to kind of complicate his recruitment anymore. Antoine Green, it was it was great to get him on campus again. He actually flew, which is obviously much more expensive than, than driving, which is what the other guys did. So, I mean, like I said earlier, if you get a third of your remaining targets on campus unofficially on one day, I mean, that's that, that's huge. There's nothing more that you re- really could ask for. Yeah, I think with, with all those guys, Carolina
1: fans definitely had some positives going into the signing day. Don, I think we'll go ahead and end it there. For everyone listening, uh, National Signing Day is next Wednesday. So I do think the plan right now, Don, is to get us back early on in the week to kind of do a preview for that. But for this one, we will go ahead and sign off. Don, thanks as always for joining me, man. Oh, no problem. I always enjoy being on with you no matter what I say when Buck's around. All right. I know who's, who, who's first in your heart there, but <laughs> I can't, I can't the, blame the, you. The guy who signs my paychecks. That's I was going to make that same joke, and you beat me to it. So, But appreciate it, Dawn. Everyone, stay tuned for next week, and we'll talk with you guys again soon.
0: Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.